blessed and blessed to be here and blessed to be here with you this morning. Um, when I was a kid in school, uh, we had a uh, substitute, substitute teacher who would um, frequently be in our classrooms as a uh, teacher was out, and I thought she was the most creative substitute when it came to getting and keeping a classroom's attention. Um, I'm sure on certain days we were kids that we were louder than others or at certain moments we were a little bit more um, unruly than uh, usual. And she didn't do a whole lot of screaming. Uh, she didn't do a whole lot of threatening, um, even of punishing. Uh, but she would stand up and she would uh, go, come to the front of the room. She would pull out her purse and she would take out a straight pin out of her purse. And she would say, have you ever heard the saying, as quiet or quiet enough to hear a pin drop? She said, do you think that we could actually hear a pin drop? Well, all of a sudden, we got real quiet, and she held this pin out there, and she gave us whatever it was instruction that she was trying to give us. And uh, so we heard it. So she said, first of all, this, that, and the other. And she said, now, when you hear the pin drop, raise your hand. So she would sit there, and everybody would raise their hand. She said, well, I haven't even dropped it yet. But uh, <laughs> then she would say, okay, here we go. And sure enough, she'd drop it. Well, I'm telling you, as often as I had her in a class and she did that, I would strain, I would listen. I never heard a pin drop, but I did raise my hand several times because I just didn't want to be left out. She was just so creative at getting us to pay attention, uh, to get quiet. And um, at other times, uh, she would stand up in front of the class. She would say, now, if you'll get real quiet and you'll listen to me, then you can watch as I give myself an insulin shot for my diabetes in my arms. I never wanted to see her do that, but I was so enthralled by it, i just get real quiet, and everybody get real quiet. And she'd tell us whatever she had to say, then she'd pull the cap off that needle, and I'd just close my eyes. I don't know what happened after that. I don't know if she ever did it. She was just very creative at getting our attention, at getting us to lean in and pay attention and listen. Uh, you know, it's really hard to get people's attention and to be able to keep people's attention. Uh, this world is just full of distractions. We have them in our pockets. They're buzzing all the time. Sometimes they're on our watches and on our wrists and they vibrate. Uh, we have these moving images that are in front of our eyes on these screens every day, all day. Uh, breaking news is never ending anymore. There is breaking news every moment that you flip on the television or turn on the radio. Constant noise. You can't find any uh, any. Uh, place where it's quiet, it's always noisy, and on and on and on. We are just a world full of distractions. And we surely have shorter attention spans than any generation before us. It's just challenging to be heard. It's challenging uh, to uh, grab hold of somebody's attention in this world. And there are so many things that are clamoring for our attention, so many things that want to be heard. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon is preparing his son for life. And he is trying to get his son's, son's attention while he is able to before he heads out into the world. So for the last 10 or 12 weeks, we've been studying through the first several chapters of the book of Proverbs. And um, we, heard, we have heard over and over again Solomon calling to his son to listen, calling to the, his young students. He's a teacher here, and he's saying, listen to the voice of wisdom. His son is uh, coming of age. He's about to set out on his journey through life as an adult. And Solomon knows all of the distractions that will be in front of him. He knows the voices. He knows uh, what the, the words they say to call to him. And so he recognizes the challenge that his son is going to face as he heads out into the world. And so he's calling him before he gets distracted to listen, to tune your ears, to hear wisdom, to yield your life to the voice of wisdom and its instruction. 
This world is filled with noise. I mean, it's a challenge for any young man, any young woman uh, to remain focused on the wisdom that comes from God. Voices call to us um, to seek meaning by climbing a ladder of success. Voices call to us to find purpose and pleasure, to experience satisfaction by acquiring and by hoarding and by achieving. Call to us to just go with the flow, to just eat, drink, and be merry. Call to us to challenge the status quo, to find our own way, to listen to our hearts. And the voices um, calling to us are relentless. They never give up. The The voice is always there. Solomon is doing his best to cut through the noise here. And he's urging his son, tune your ears to wisdom. He's making the case that life, the life that you're seeking for, the life that will satisfy is only found if you follow the voice of wisdom. So as I look at our society and I look at our world, I'm convinced that we are experiencing a serious shortage of wisdom. Uh, Few have walked that um, path before, uh, but it seems that that road less traveled is seeing less and less uh, travelers upon it. Um, Now, this is not a message for the need to be educated because education does not solve our wisdom deficit. In fact, we're more educated today than ever before. So we are not a culture short on knowledge. We have more information than any generation before us. Access to that information is at the touch of a finger. Uh, Knowledge and information is exploding. Uh, No one can stay in front of it. Seems like human knowledge is doubling, you know, at an ever-increasing rate. We're drowning in knowledge, but we are starved for wisdom. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. It's knowledge applied. That's what wisdom is. Now, the scriptures do speak of wisdom from above and wisdom from below, right? James talks about that. In fact, I was reading that uh, just before I came out here this morning in uh, James chapter uh, 3, where he says, for, uh, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. So there is a wisdom that comes from above, but it's not the wisdom of this world. We're not going to get more wisdom with more college degrees. We have never had more college degrees and more educated ignorance at the same time. We live in a country where foolishness has become the norm. Even though we have learned to travel faster than sound, we're traveling in the wrong direction. We know more about the world we live in than ever before, and yet we know less and less about how to live in this world. We need to hear the ancient words of Proverbs. We need uh, more than ever before to hear the voice of wisdom. So in Proverbs 8, Solomon once again personifies wisdom, describes her as a lady. She's a virtuous woman whose call is not the call of sirens that will distract or lead astray. Hers is a voice that is right, that is good. I want you to listen to Solomon's introduction in uh, Proverbs chapter 8, the first three verses. It says, does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice? On top of the heights, beside the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates at the opening to the city, at the entrance of the doors, she cries out. We treat wisdom from God as if it's difficult to find as if it's hiding from us. We describe decision-making and uh, determining God's will for our lives as something very difficult, something that we have to uh, strain to listen for, that still small voice. But the scriptures claim wisdom does not whisper. 
It's not calling softly and tenderly as the song says. Wisdom raises her voice is what Solomon says. She raises her voice and she's not hiding. She's not in some monastery where we've got to retreat to and kind of get in touch with our inner selves to find. Wisdom moves towards the masses. Wisdom is standing by the way, along the road. She positions herself in the city, by the gates, at the entrance to the doors that we're walking through. And she cries aloud to us. Now, in Proverbs 5 through 7, we looked at the adulterous woman, uh, the actions and the voice of this uh, rival to Lady Wisdom, the one that comes to tempt and lead us astray. So Lady Wisdom does not have exclusive rights in the streets. She has competitors, and we have a choice to make. Who will we listen to? When verses 4 through 36, she preaches her sermon here, and um, she takes her stand in the street. She raises her voice. She calls aloud. And uh, she says, for anybody who will listen, the, the message was originally intended for Solomon's son, but the message is to everyone who will hear it. In fact, today, the message is for you. Wisdom speaks. So we're going to look today to see what she has to say. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do, I'll invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 8. And I'm going to read to you beginning in verse 4 this morning, and I'm going to carry through verse 21, although we're going to look at the whole chapter. So Proverbs 8, verses 4 through 21. To you, O men, I call. And my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, understand prudence. And O fools, understand wisdom. Listen, for I will speak noble things. And the opening of my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted, perverted mouth I hate. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I'm understanding. Power is mine. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule, and nobles, all who judge rightly. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield better than choicest silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of justice, to endow those who love me with wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is truth and it is refreshing for us. God, and we come and uh, invite you to come now and to bring the conviction of the Spirit on our lives. Lord, give us wisdom to apply your words and to walk in them. Lord, I pray that today that every heart, every ear, every mind would turn its attention towards the cross of Christ today because we know our only hope is in Jesus. Lord, I pray that I would be conduit for you to meet with your people. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Solomon, the teacher personifying wisdom as a woman here, writes about her invitation, her virtue, um, her rewards and her preexistent nature. And the message, message is that wisdom is the only path to life. 
The life that you are looking for, the life that you long to find, is found along the way of wisdom. And as we've said before, wisdom is not just a set of ideas. Wisdom is a person. Today, what I hope you'll discover is that if you want wisdom for daily living, if you want to figure out how to navigate this life and understand how the world works, if you want to find true life that you've been looking for, you're only going to find it in a relationship with wisdom, a relationship with Jesus. So we're going to look at the whole chapter this morning by considering three major points in the text. Wisdom tells the truth, wisdom promises rewards, and wisdom has always been. So we'll begin in verses 6 through 11 with wisdom tells the truth. Wisdom issues two commands here in verses 6 through 11. Um, The first command is the very first word of verse 6. It says there at the very beginning, listen. Um, There's a story told of a man from the country visiting New York City with a friend. So this is probably someone from rural South Carolina. Goes up to Manhattan there in Times Square, walking through Times Square at lunch when there's just the hustle and bustle of all the people, the noise of the uh, horns blaring from the taxi cabs and um, the people in the streets that are passing by, the jackhammering of the construction workers, um, just uh, all the noise, all the sounds, all the sights, everything distracting. And all of a sudden, that man from rural South Carolina says, I think I hear a cricket. And that guy who's with him says, a cricket. How do you hear a cricket? He says, I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure. I just, he said, there's no way you can hear a cricket in Times Square. And he says, I'm telling you, I heard one. And he listens in and he walks. And all of a sudden he cuts the corner and there is this concrete um, uh, uh, plant holder. And inside of it shrubs and he looks under the shrubs. Sure enough, there's a cricket down in it. And that guy says, oh my goodness. You must have the most incredible ears that have ever been. He said, no, I just figure people hear what they're listening for. He said, there is no way I could hear a cricket over the noise that's taking place in this city. There's no way I could do it. He said, well, I just figure people that hear what they're listening for. And to illustrate, he takes out a few coins and he drops them on the sidewalk. And over the noise of that city, all of a sudden, five heads turn to look to see if that's their coins that dropped out of their pocket. They hit the pavement. We hear what we're listening for. Wisdom says, listen to me. Are you listening for wisdom or are you listening to the world? The question that should immediately follow when we read that text is, why should I listen to wisdom? I mean, a son expects for his father to say to him, son, listen to wisdom as you go through life. But why? Why should I listen to wisdom? Lady Wisdom answers, verse 6. She says, for I speak noble things. The opening of my lips will reveal what is right. It will reveal right things. The first reason I listen to wisdom is because what she says is right. There's a lot of information in this world, but it is not entirely noble, nor is it always right. But what we get from the wisdom of God's word is always right. It is only right, and it is always good. One of the uh, phenomena of our society is how people say or text or post to social media whatever it is that they're thinking. It's hardly ever filtered. Um, They just will, you know, the Internet's just become a repository of how people feel at any given moment. And people are constantly scrolling through to see, I wonder how they feel right now. Have you ever felt the sting of regret for something that you said or maybe something that you uh, texted or something that you posted online? I want you to consider for a moment that there is nothing that God has ever revealed through wisdom that he was ashamed of. There is nothing he has ever said that he needed to edit. 
every word that God speaks is entirely perfect. Now, there's a challenge that comes along with the voice that only speaks what is right. Wisdom tells it like it is without sugarcoating or without shielding us from the sting of truth. That's why it's painful to read the truth of God's word very often, if you're honest with yourself. If you open yourself up to what the word has to say, it will rightly divide. It will pierce through bone and marrow. When we listen to wisdom, what we often hear is hard to receive. So a lot of people just turn away from it rather than lean into it. Now, this is really contrasted with folly because folly tells you what you want to hear. Wisdom tells you to keep to the ancient paths, uh, to do what's good and do what's right, but folly will point out shortcuts that will help you get ahead in some facet of life. Now, you might uh, end up costing you your reputation or um, uh, your character. Folly will make room for you to indulge uh, certain pleasures or encourage you to hoard your possessions and um, uh, to hold grudges because that feels good. That feels right. It's what I want to do in the moment. But wisdom says only what is right. So I listen to wisdom because what it tells me is always right. The second reason I listen to wisdom is because wisdom says the truth. In verse 7, it says there, for my mouth will utter truth. When we turn our ears to the voices of this world, we will end up believing lies. Lies about the world, lies about ourselves, lies about God, uh, lies about others. Wisdom speaks the truth. In her message of Proverbs 8, she makes a distinction between what is right and what is wicked. She says that in the second part of that verse. Um, now, folly likes to create gray areas where it's not easy to determine what is right and what is good um, from what is wrong or what is evil. Folly actually calls what is wicked righteous. In fact, Proverbs speaks to this in Proverbs 24, 24. It says, he who says to the wicked, you are righteous, peoples will curse him, nations will abhor him. To justify sin is to distort the truth. But it happens in spades in our society. Rather than yield to the truth of God's word, we bend it to match our modern morality. We explain conviction of sin away. Um, we not only overlook what is evil, we affirm what is wicked in somebody's life, and we call it good. We say that's okay. To listen to wisdom is to listen to the truth, to listen to what is right, no matter how difficult it is to hear, um, no matter how difficult it is to believe and accept into your heart. Now, verse 9 kind of um, speaks to this sort of posture where we yield to the voice of wisdom. Um, I need to hear the voice of truth, and I need to shape the way I see the world based on what God's Word says. I don't ask the truth of God's Word to bend to my experience, to bend to how I feel. I force my thoughts, I force my attitudes to yield to the wisdom of God's Word. When I do that, the utterance from the voice of wisdom, as, as verse 19 says, all straight forward. It's always straightforward. The second commandment that wisdom gives to us, first one is to listen. Second one is found at the beginning of verse 10. Um, it says there in the text, uh, take my instruction. We're not merely commanded to listen. We're not merely just told to hear. We have to receive the truth into our lives. We have to take it. We have to apply it. We have to receive it in our hands. The text is actually urging us, don't reach for gold and silver. Don't reach for what the world values. You take instruction. You receive wisdom into your life. 
Solomon knows what motivates, right? He knows what catches our attention, what uh, keeps us going, what we desire to go after. He understands the urge we all have to grab at what the world values. But wisdom says, take the instruction. Take the wisdom. Don't take the treasure. You take the wisdom. Wisdom always tells the truth. And I think that the message of Proverbs 8, 6 through 11 is this. Wisdom is always better. It's always the better thing. In Matthew 6, verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The allure of wealth and riches will take us from truth, will take us from righteous living, the life that we've always desired to have. It will pull us away. We cannot serve both God and treasure. Now, that's not to say you won't experience blessing in life. That's not to say that you won't experience financial income. But what it's saying is, is which one are you serving? Are you serving, the, the, are, are you concerned most about the bank account, the investment portfolio, your checkbook? If so, you're not going to be able to fully serve God. So which is it going to be? The wisdom of God or the wealth of the world? A life of wisdom is not always the shiniest thing to choose, but it is always the better thing. The next thing we see His wisdom will always deliver. In verses 12 through 21, we read how wisdom promises reward. Read here in verse 12, it says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. Wisdom has friends, keeps company with them, valuable resources for you. So to navigate life, you need wisdom that comes from God. And with that wisdom, you get prudence and discretion. You get the ability to discern and act in a way that conforms to the way that God has designed the world. That's what prudence and discretion is. I'm able to have the wisdom that comes from above, and then I can see the world, and I can apply it in just the right way so that I can navigate this life without stepping on the landmines. The Scripture says in there a couple verses later, it says power belongs to wisdom. Power belongs to me is what it says. Well, that makes so much sense to me. Because if there is power in being able to navigate life without um, getting caught in the traps of this world, then that's the type of power that I want. So wisdom comes with power. Wisdom will guide your path. Wisdom will protect you from the setbacks, from the um, destructive forces that are in this world lying in wait for you. That's what's out in front of you. Solomon's saying to his son, it's out there waiting. But if you choose wisdom, you'll have power to overcome. That's why Lady Wisdom reminds us in verse 13 that the fear of the Lord, and we know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but she reminds us the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. If I live my life in awe of God, in proper, uh, with a proper understanding of who God is, then I will hate what he hates. Because I will see him not as some bloodthirsty tyrant, but as a God who loves me a God who would send his own son for me. And so because of that, I recognize that he has my best in mind when he made me. And if I can yield my life to him, I will find all the fulfillment, all the purpose, all the meaning I desire. So I will learn to love what he loves and hate what he hates. He hates what is evil. He hates pride and arrogance. He hates the loose tongue. So when I walk in wisdom, I avoid what God despises, I choose what it's right, and I find myself on the path that leads to what I want, uh, where I want to be. I overcome the world. That's how the scripture describes it. That's power, right? 
And as we aim for wisdom that comes from God, we're given more than just wisdom and discretion. We're given more than just power. Verse 18 says there is riches and honor in store for one who listens and takes wisdom. Now, we have to be careful here because uh, there's a temptation to believe in this prosperity gospel that if, you just, if I do everything I'm supposed to do, then God's going to make sure I'm rewarded with all these other things and my life will go perfect. I'll have health. I'll have wealth. I'll have prosperity. Uh, but we know that's not, that, that does not line up because we know plenty of people who have served the Lord in faithful ways but have dealt with some serious health issues. They have had major financial uh, setbacks, um, but they were faithful to the Lord through it all. See, the deal is, is that this honor, um, the uh, wealth, um, the riches, the, the glory, all those things aren't necessarily going to come immediately because we live in a fallen world. And I'm not, I'm not serving God so I can get those things. I'm serving God because he's worth it. I fear him and I fear him alone. Now, the phrase that stands out to me is this idea of enduring wealth. You know, there's a lot of get-rich-quick schemes. There's a lot of voices calling us to seek uh, financial reward above everything else. Uh, on my way into the church this morning, I saw the billboards flashing that the Powerball jackpot is up to, I think, $650 million. Well, it's hard to see that billboard and not think what I could do with $650 million on my way to church as I'm praying about it, right? It's, it's hard not to imagine that. But notice verse 19. It says here, my fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield better than choicest silver. Are the scriptures saying to me that what wisdom offers is far better than what the Powerball jackpot is offering? Yes, that is exactly what the scriptures are saying. Because there is enduring wealth in wisdom. And we know on the other hand, uh, as a matter of fact, I wrote it down, the National Endowment for Financial Education, 70% of lottery winners go bankrupt within a few years. That's not a good return on your investment, is it? But more than just money in the bank, there is enduring wealth in the wise use of money because I learned to hold greed in my heart at bay. I learned how to wisely use my finances. I learned how to not let the love of money take control of me. What wisdom has to offer cannot be purchased anywhere. What wisdom has to offer only comes from God. So how do we secure it? How do we secure this satisfying, this enduring wealth that's spoken of here in this part of the text? According to verse 17, those who seek wisdom will find it. That ought to be the most hopeful verse that you read here. If I want to find it, I can. If I love it, the scripture says I will receive it. So how do I do that? By rooting myself in the word of God. Verse 6 says, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. So when I hear the word of God, that leads to wisdom. Verse 10 says, take my instruction and not silver. Wisdom is found in receiving instruction from the Lord. It comes from his word. Verse 17 and 21 demonstrate that wisdom is found in loving truth. And it actually reveals that it comes from seeking it. And I would say seeking it daily. So there's immediate application for you here. Start each day with the Lord. I can guarantee you that you will hear the voice of the world all day, every day. You don't have to plan for it. You don't have to make sure that it's there. You will not miss the call this week to serve yourself. You're not going to miss the, the, the call to um, find satisfaction in acquiring, in hoarding. You will not miss the temptation to lash out at others to ignore others, to puff yourself up. You're not going to miss that temptation or the allure of seeking meaning through financial gain, of climbing the ladder of success at pleasure at any cost. You're not going to miss that temptation. 
So our best defense against the lies of this world that you will experience every single day is to meditate on the truth of God's word. Let the water of the word wash your minds. That's what Ephesians speaks of in chapter 5. You meditate on God's word. You've got to start here. What defense am I going to have against those voices if I'm not first arming myself with the truth, the, the righteousness that comes from God's wisdom in his word? So begin your day with God's word and with prayers of thanksgiving with worship. Now, as wisdom stands up among the people to deliver her message, she says that wisdom tells the truth and wisdom promises reward. But wisdom is not just some new way of looking at life. I think that's what we think. Well, I need this new way of kind of approaching what I'm, what I'm experiencing. Wisdom is older than time. Solomon tells us that wisdom has always been. As we study Proverbs, um, it's easy to see the Scripture as just ancient words from some king in Israel, as uh, you know, good advice from a father to his son. But Proverbs 8, verses 22 through 31, reveal that what we are reading is not just wisdom from Solomon, because this wisdom came before him. This is God's wisdom, wisdom that is older than time. Let me read to you a couple verses. Proverbs 8, 22 um, through uh, 24 says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. From everlasting I was established, from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. So wisdom says, I've been here all along. Now, this world was created. I don't have time to uh, challenge the modern theories about the origin of the world. But I do believe if we take just a very simple and plain evaluation of the beauty of this world, of the complexity of life, of complexity of the universe, it's not hard to see that there is a designer behind it all. And the designer created the universe in a rational way. So that means if I begin to study this world, I will uncover scientific reasoning so that it makes sense to me. But science will not answer the, the, the most important questions that we face. Science doesn't explain to me human desire uh, for meaning, human desire for purpose. It doesn't d- 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 explain to me our morality and understanding of what is good and what is right. Faith in a creator is not based on gaps in science that hasn't yet been filled in. Faith in God is based on observations of meaning and value and order that actually underlie the rise of science itself. That's why people started studying the world is because they were motivated by what they understood about God. So we can be on the side of science and also believe that there's a creator, that he has designed this world and everything that in it. And Proverbs 8 claims that he designed it, he created it with wisdom. Wisdom was supporting character in this. You can read through the text and discover that. What that means is our creator God has designed the world to work in a certain way. So we can't just say, well, whatever is true for you or whatever is right for you, God has made what is true. God has made what is right. And so if we go against the grain of the way this world has been designed to work, we are just inviting injury upon ourselves. That's just what sin does. I mean, just take a look around you the havoc that adultery has unleashed on our world, the way that greed has just created so many problems in my life, in your life, in the lives of family, people all over the world, the destructive nature of laziness when people don't act with responsibility. It's not just that sin is wrong, and it is wrong. 
it is that sin is also destructive. According to the text, the wisdom was here first. Wisdom is how the world began, and if you want to know how to operate in this world, you've got to harness God's wisdom. Now, I think that the point of this is to remind us that wisdom is external. We're told all the time to seek wisdom within, you know, to turn, your, turn into yourself, listen to your heart. But the scriptures make clear, no, the wisdom is external. It's, it's outside of me, right? It's not found within. It is something that is outside of me. It is constant, and it is objective. I have to submit to wisdom. I don't just align my life properly uh, from what I feel is right inside. Now, we can understand how the world was made and how it works, but we're still tempted to go our own way. We need deliverance from ourselves. So here's the good news. Wisdom is not just some sort of ideas. Wisdom is a person. His name is Jesus. Wisdom concludes her sermon in verses 35 and 36. It says, For he who finds me finds life. And obtains favor from the Lord, but he who sins against me injures himself. All those who hate me love death. Who can say these words? Only Jesus. So who is wisdom? Wisdom is Jesus. Jesus is the only one who leads to life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We are not going to find life simply by studying the word of God. We are not going to find life by living the most religious life that we can. We're not going to um, find life and be made right in our own power, in our own righteousness. We need Jesus. And the good news is he's available. He is coming towards the masses. He's not hiding. He's standing by the way. He's along the path. He's at the gates of the city. He's outside of every entrance to the doors that we go through. And he is calling to us, whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. Have you believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins? Hear the voice of Jesus today. Take his offer. Be reconciled to God through the shed blood of Jesus. The message of Proverbs 8 is you have to choose. There's the way of the world. There's the wisdom of this world. It's folly. Or it's the wisdom that comes from above. And that's the wisdom that we call Jesus. He is speaking today. Are you listening to him? He is available. Will you take him? Will you receive him into your life? Father, we thank you that we are not left to our own devices. Father, we don't have to solve the world's problems. We don't have to seek deliverance in our own strength. We find it in Jesus. Lord, I pray for many today that they would turn to you and find hope. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. We're going to offer an invitation. So as our choir sings, if you've got a decision to make and you Uh, want to talk to us about that, you want to find out about what it means to be a member of our church or want somebody to pray with you, I'm going to be standing down front. So I want to invite you to stand as our choir sings, the Lord speaking to your heart. You say yes to him.